live from the Blake Street Tavern in the historic lower downtown district of Denver, Colorado at the foot of the Rocky Mountains, the BSN Buffs Podcast, part of the BSN Buffs Network, which is a branch of BSNDenver.com. I am your host, Jake Shapiro. Across the table from me, editor of BSNBuffs.com, Ryan Koningsberg. Ryan, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> good, man. That was good. You're getting better at this. I got to go to my two favorite places in the world today, the barbershop and the Blake Street Tavern. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm great. I mean, days don't get any better than today. Well, we're going to jump right into the BSN Buffs podcast right here. Oh, has anyone ever not just jumped right in? That is said on literally every radio show, every podcast, everything ever. You always ju- ever yeah, yes of course we're gonna jump right in that's why people are here well by you saying of course we're gonna jump right in we're not jumping right into it so this is quite the conundrum this is this is odd this, is, this is an unedited podcast let's begin the podcast sweeper intro <laughs> All right. First thing we got for you is uh, the SMU recap. The Buffs are 11 and two entering conference play right now. Uh, their two losses, one was against Iowa State, the other coming against SMU, and uh, both of those teams ranked the only two ranked teams they've faced. They've lost to, and uh, they could have won both games. And I think certainly the SMU game, it's fresh in people's minds. It's fresh in Tad Boyle's mind. We were at practice the last two days. Uh, you know, he was talking about it a lot, saying that that was a blown opportunity to his players, and that's probably true. Yeah, I think that is the number one. There's a couple different ways you can kind of look at those two games. Um, you can be the eternal optimist who looks at those two games and says, wow, they really played two extremely talented teams down to the wire. A couple things go this way or that way. Um, you, you know, you're 13-0 you're right now. Um, and then there's the other way you can look at it, and that's from a more critical standpoint where you say, well... You know, they had a chance to win both of them. And the Iowa State game was a little different. It was one of those ones where they were kind of fighting to stay where they were the whole game. Um, and it really comes down to just Josh Scott not finishing in that game, which is going to happen once in a while. Um, the SMU game, that one is the one that feels like a really big missed opportunity to me. Um, I just, I, I look at that last four minutes when they had a lead with four minutes to go, and they just kind of shut down. Um, and whether it's they froze up or the tad ball philosophy kind of kind of bit them, uh, it just didn't work out, and, and they missed free throws, and it was just a very ugly, ugly stretch. And it's one of those ones that I know for for fans, it's really hard to swallow one like that when it, it seems like it's in your grasps, and then all of a sudden it's so far out of your grasp, um, and you're you're scratching and clawing and fouling with a minute left just to try and you know extend a game that you don't really have a shot at. Um, so that one, to me, I mean, I, I don't know if it's concerning, but it's definitely a huge missed opportunity. Um, and there were some things that could be considered concerns. I mean, the fact that they couldn't make those free throws late down the stretch, I know that, you know, they make them all the time, but when the stage gets bigger, are they going to fold again at the free throw line? Are they going to get nervous? Um, are they going to be able to close these big games? Those are the big questions uh, heading into conference play, and they're, they're about to get hit with a barrage of these big games. So we're going to learn really fast. Both of those big games, two possession games. Uh, the Buffs lost to SMU by four points and Iowa State to start the season by six points. This is probably a completely different team at this point than they were when they played Iowa State. But still the point holds true that if Josh Scott hits his shots in either game, they're going to win that game. And that was really the big difference is that in every other game, Josh has hit his shots and that he didn't. Not to say Josh played bad in those games because he still had double doubles, but he just didn't shoot up to his normal percentages. Yeah, I, it's it's tough with Josh because every time he goes on one of these streaks where he's just balling out, you're like, oh my God, here it comes. Like, Josh is going to be a dominant player now. Uh, and then he has one of those games against a team like SMU that has some in, inside presence, a little more talent. That become and it's it's a little concerning. And I and you understand when fans um, kind of get the feeling, oh, Josh got you know doesn't doesn't bring his A game in the biggest of stages. Uh, and you have to kind of understand that because Josh Scott has feasted, has never, he's never not feasted on weak opponents. Um, it's the only times he's ever struggled is in those bigger games. And, you know, his worst games come at the worst times. When he's able to get those shots and they're not falling, it kind of hurts the offense because it, it allows 
the defense to kind of go go on doing their own thing, knowing that they don't have to worry about Josh until he gets hot. One thing that maybe is a positive from the last few games is that the Buffs' defense seems to be improved. They've less, they've allowed a few less points the last few games. They only allowed 70 to SMU. They allowed uh, 70 to Penn State as well. Uh, obviously, they blew out Hampton right before and Nichols, but uh, they were allowing 70, 80 points to a couple cupcakes earlier in the season. Uh, Tad Boyle has preached defense and rebounding, of course, every single day that he talks to anyone in his entire life. He's preached <laughs> that. Uh, that is his religion, I think, in fact. But, you know, that maybe is something that the Buffs can look as to a positive because of, you know, their offense has been something they've relied upon, but their defense hasn't been so reliable. Right. The, the thing for me and... The thing for me is that they just they haven't put together an impressive game defensively. Like, yeah, I mean, they, they held uh, Iowa State to, I think, 69 points. Nice. And it was 68, but close. Oh, close okay. Yeah. yeah, I just had to get that in there. I know. You know. Um, that's what she said. So that's like a, a solid de- – that's the, probably their best defensive performance. But I haven't seen one where I was like, wow, they really locked down. You know, they took the best player out of the game. Um and right, even in the SMU game, they allow so many easy buckets inside. They only allowed 70 points, yes, but they allow a lot of easy buckets inside, and they allowed that huge second-half run that put SMU back on top in the game. Yeah, and so that's, I mean, defense to me isn't something, and I think Tad Boy would agree with me on this one, defense to me is not something you can just turn on and say, oh, all right, guys, it's time to play defense. Uh, conference plays here. Time to lock down. I know it's an effort thing, but it's also it's something that's within you. Um, you're either a guy who brings it on the defensive end and you're not. And if it's ever going to change, it, it takes a whole offseason to change it. So, you know, guys like George King and, and uh, you know, Dom Collier, I don't know if they have that defensive gene in them. I don't know if they have that grit in them to kind of buckle down on the defensive side and say, um, my guy is absolutely, no matter what, not scoring on this possession. Um do the Buffs have one of those guys? I, we haven't seen it. We've yet to see it. Um, I think, you know, there's a guys. I, I, I think Josh Fortune is very capable of it. I think Treshawn Fletcher is very capable of it. But have we seen it? No. Because, and I think Tad Boyle explained it best when he, th- when he said he, this team thinks they can score their way out of their problems. Um, and Josh Fortune and Treshawn Fletcher are both guys who can score the ball. And I think it, it gets in their head, you know. They, they think to themselves, um, I can hope my guy is not going to make this shot, and I can just go make one on the other end and instead of I'm going to make sure my guy doesn't make this shot. And it really, it, like I said, it's all something within you. I remember I had a friend in high school who, like, he would take on, he, he wasn't a good basketball player, he wasn't the greatest, but he would take on the be- Dara, who was the best player on our basketball team. One on Dara O'Neal. Yeah, Dar- yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, Dara averaged over 30 points a game in high school. Well, my friend would take him on in one-on-one, and he would not let Dara score most of the time. Of course, right. Dar's going to get his because he was amazing. But he could shut him down. And it's just one of those things where you have, to just have, you have to be able to grind your teeth and really like look at your guy and say, there's no chance you're scoring. You just, it's one of those things you just have to have. And I'm, I'm worried a lot of these players don't have it. You know, Josh Scott is a guy that has it. Um, Wesley Gordon is a guy that has it. But right. those guys don't play on the perimeter. Right. Is it just that it's more it comes down to guys like... Dominique Collier and uh, Treshawn Fletcher, or Josh Fortune, whoever, because they have the guys inside that are going to defend, whether that be Wesley Gordon or even Tory Miller at times, to really lock down a game. Yeah, that's definitely something that matters. Um, I think those guys, it's always in your head. You know, you know. Oh, Wes will take care of this. Wes will wipe it off the, right. the stat sheet. Um, and I just think bad habits develop out of that. So I'm not saying it's it's one of those things where oh, the Buffs are terrible on defense; they'll never win any games. The good thing for them is their offense is so explosive, and they can score their way out of a lot of problems. But the question is, when it comes down, there's four minutes left. You need to buckle down and not let the other team score. Will you do what happened against SMU and end up giving up a 14-to-1 run? Or can you lock down and get a couple stops when you need it most? I mean, you don't even have to play buckle-down defense the entire game. You do have to be able to to make it happen when it matters most, Um, sort of like that that Pac-12 tournament team did. You know, they played great defense the whole game, but they turned it to a whole nother level, especially Nate Tomlinson. He was a guy who could turn it to a whole different level uh, in the last three minutes of the game. And it was and it's one of those things that's amazing when you see it, because it's it's an intensity level that you you almost only see in like 
the NBA Finals. Um, it's an intensity level that, that is very rarely reached. If you can get to that point as a team, that's when you can kind of reach greater heights. You mentioned senior guard Nate Tomlinson and when he did that. One of the guys in Las Vegas that, you know, he didn't really show up on the box, box scores having a really good tournament or good game against SMU, but he really played well when he was in the game, was senior guard Xavier Talton. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, another guy that's playing well, uh, his backcourt mate is Dominique Collier. Uh, you know, who knows whether Xavier Talton's spot is locked down in the rotation for conference play. That's going to be one of the big questions, I think, going into the weekend. But my question to you, has Dominique Collier started to blossom into the player everyone thought he was going to be coming out of Denver East? He's on his way. Um, it depends on whose expectations you're comparing him to. I think some people got their expectations a little out of whack with Dominique Collier when names like Chauncey Billups started coming up. Even Spencer Dinwiddie was compared a couple times um, in terms of a long guard. Um, Dom is never going to be uh, a bona fide star. He's not going to be, you know, he's not going to be one of those two guys. He can be a great point guard who distributes the offense well, who can get into the lane and finish around the rim. He did that so well in high school. You haven't quite seen it. You've seen some of the times where he throws in something crazy and kind of shows off um, his ability to finish around the rim, but we haven't seen it kind of completely come on. That's something that I think will come more and more with time. Um, he's hitting that outside shot with a great uh, at a great clip. Uh, I think he's well into the 40 percentage. Um, so I think Dom, is, he's not going to be the guy. He's not going to be the, the recruit that, you know, the program-changing recruit that some people thought he was going to be. But he is getting to where I thought he was going to be. He's getting to where I know William Whalen thought he was going to be in terms of a very, very good guard who can run your offense and put you in good positions in a game. Where he needs to come along is on the defensive end. Uh, and that's something that is very concerning to me. Uh, he hasn't been able, I mean, he got eaten up uh, against SMU a little bit. Uh, and I know it was a bit of the defensive game plan to go under screens, um, but they were still, you know, they started making those shots and they, the buffs didn't really have an answer. So I think Dom needs to figure out how to how to play without fouling, number one. Um, and then, like I said, he needs to somehow dig deep and find within him that I'm not going to let you score no matter what mentality. Dom shooting 49% from behind the arc this year, which is really good. Uh, but one of the things we've mentioned on one of our podcasts, the BSN Buffs Podcast Network, a branch of BSNDenver.com, um, was that this team has like the parts to be a great college team. And if Dominique Collier's playing in the role of you know a guy who's going to run his offense and, and play pretty well, uh, obviously he needs to step up his defense. But if he's able to proficiently run the offense and get the balls to guys like uh, to Josh Scott, George King, Treshawn Fletcher, and Josh Fortune, this team has the potential to be really, really good. And that's what I think is such a positive, what I've seen over Dominique Collier's play over the last three or four games, is he's starting to finally find a rhythm in running the Buffalo's offense. Yeah, he's definitely become into a rhythm, and this team does have those, those pieces. Um, they have all the makings of, of what you want out of a college team, and I know I've talked about it before. Um, it's the three-point shooters. It's the inside presence. It's the defensive. It's the, the shot blocker. It's everything but the defensive stopper who you can stick out on the perimeter. Um, and I think that will we're, we're going to end up looking back on that on the end of the season and saying, man, that was the one thing they were missing that kept them from getting to wherever. Um, whether you know it's a Sweet 16 or going one past the Sweet 16 or even getting out of the first round, I think when they end up when this season comes to an end, we say to ourselves, if they had just had that defensive stopper, maybe we're not talking about the end of the season right now. We're going to take a quick break right here on the BSN Buffs podcast. Uh, in order to keep all of our content free on BSNDenver.com, uh, we're going to bring you a good message from our great sponsors uh, to our great site. Uh, we'll see you back on the other side. Hi, this is Justin Gold from Justin's. If you've had my nut butter or my peanut butter cups, then you know that I take my products and my customers very seriously. So when I needed my roof replaced, I wanted somebody who feels the same way about their customers and their products that I do. Luckily for me, I found exactly that when I went to Chip Ezzo from Chip's Roofing, and he provided me with a service that I'll never forget. Not only did they build me a beautiful high wind roof with the best products available, 
but the quality, price, and service was exceptional. I was in contact with Chip the entire time, and him and his crew couldn't have been more professional. Chip's Roofing has my business for life. Chip's Roofing, Colorado's high-wind roofing experts for 30 years. You can find us online at chipsroofingllc.com. That's chipsroofingllc.com. Or call us now at 720-938-ROOF. That's 720-938-ROOF. Once again, 720-938-ROOF. Hi, I'm Erica Chenard, and I've been helping Colorado homeowners buy and sell for 14 years. From the biggest names in Colorado to first-time buyers, I treat each and every one like an MVP. I've sold over 170 homes in the last 12 months, and I can help you sell your current one or buy your next one. Call me, Erica Chenard, at 720-663-1003 or online at denvercohomes.com. Of course you want to be in better shape, and of course you want to change the way you eat, but it's easier said than done. Hi, I'm Adam Kinney, and like you, I've tried a million different things to accomplish this before I found the solution. Now, I go to Ironclad Fitness off of Evans. The days of long, boring cardio sessions are over. My kettlebell training to Ironclad is fast, innovative, and it really works. At this rate, I'll never step on a treadmill again. Let Ironclad Fitness change your life like they're changing mine. Ironclad Fitness. Hey, Josh, what happened to Colorado Keg House? I was just there yesterday, Adam. It's the same great place with 72 Colorado craft beers on tap. Really? I heard they had up to 60 breweries in there. I figured they must have moved into a huge building or something. That means they have up to 60 different breweries on tap, dude. Do you think they actually crammed 60 breweries in there? Oh, so they still have 27 TVs? Yeah. And NFL Sunday ticket? Yep. Cool. Still awesome. Colorado Keg House, Colorado's home for craft beer by the First Bank Center in Broomfield. We're back on the BSN Buffs podcast, live from the Blake Street Tavern in historic lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Jeff, I got a quick question for you. Go for it, buddy. Well, do you like to ski much? I actually don't. And why is that? Because my boots are terrible. They just don't fit my feet right. Well, Shap, I have the answer for you. Boot Mechanics in Golden, Colorado is the answer for all of your boot needs. Uh, professional skier Jeremy Johnson is going to get your boots custom fit to give you a more comfortable ride and increase your performance. And the way they do this is pretty cool. They're going to bring you in there. They're going to put your feet in this fancy little machine. It's going to take a mold of your foot. And they're going to use that cast to produce a footbed that's a mirror image of your foot. So when your foot goes into that boot, it's just like standing on a cloud. Wow, it sounds like they know what they're talking about. <laughs> I tell you what. You go down. You, say, you see our man Jeremy. And you tell him BSN Buffs sent you. Or you can call him at 303-916-3498. Or visit them at bootmechanics.com. And I promise you, Shap, they are going to get you right. Sounds like I'll be down there this week and be skiing at Eldora this weekend. I'll see you there. And to keep going in our BSN Buffs podcast. You're telling me we're going to jump right into it? Did we just jump right into it? We're jumping into it. But saying we're going to jump right into it is like four more words that means we're delaying jumping right into it. Jumping right into it would be going right into it without saying we're going to jump right into it. So anyways, let's jump right into it. Okay, let's cut to the center of the crust. Or <laughs> I don't know. Some terrible radio saying. Who knows? Uh, Ryan, we got uh, the Buffs do. We got uh, Stanford and uh, Cal coming up this week uh, in the Bay Area. Don't and do that to me. Don't I, you dare. I, I know what I'm doing. Ryan hates it when anyone says the Bay Area. Okay. So, honestly, saying the Bay Area for the Cal and Stanford trip, that makes sense because you're going to multiple cities in the Bay Area. My problem is when someone comes in telling me they're from the Bay Area, as if, like, I have no geographical knowledge. Like, I know what San Jose is. I know what San Francisco is. I don't even know if those are in the Bay Area, but I know what they are. And so I want you to tell, like, have some pride in your city. You're not from the Bay Area. You're from a legitimate city. Say what it is. Don't try and mask it by, like, because, like, the Bay Area is so amazing. So if I just say it's that, everyone's going to think I live. So you have a problem with people saying, like, I'm from the front range. No one's ever said that, Shaf. Yeah, no one's. If I said I'm from the front range, someone in Colorado would look at me like I was an idiot. And that's what everyone should do when people say they're from the Bay Area. You're not from an area. You're from a city that has a name, and you should be proud of it. Should we start using articles before the names of our highways, too? Like what? The 36. Oh, the 36. Yeah, no, don't do that either. All right, so coming up for the Buffs this weekend, they have uh, Cal on New Year's Day at 9 o'clock Mountain Standard Time and Stanford on Sunday after the Broncos game at 8 p.m., 
Cal on the year is 10-3, while Stanford is a lonely 7-4, sitting at bottom of the Pac-12. Colorado, uh, Ryan said this about Colorado, that if they would split all their road games for the rest of the season and take care of business at home, they're most likely going to get an at-large bid. So going into this weekend, which game is more probable for the Buffs to win? Well, that's obvious. I mean, Stanford is in a rut this year. Um, I, I think... You know, they have a couple pieces here and there. You know, uh, they made, they have some good recruits. Robert Cartwright is a sophomore who was a big-time recruit coming out. Michael Humphrey was a so- is a sophomore who was a big-time recruit coming out. They've got Cameron Walker, who is a big target for the Buffs. Um, they have pieces, but it's not all coming together. And I know there's a lot of college basketball fans out there, and especially Pac-12 fans, who will point the finger at Johnny Dawkins as the reason that it's not all coming together for Stanford. Um, but they're, they're nothing special. I mean, they got blown out by SMU. Um, they have no, no big wins on the season. They got blown out by St. Mary's. They got blown out by Villanova. Uh, their best game on the season was probably a close loss to Texas. Um, you know, they, of course, they had that big 83-38 to 38 win over Carroll College, Montana. Ooh, but, you know, that's not cutting for me. Or the, or the overtime win over Green Bay. Um, they're in a rut, and... Uh, the Buffs, to me, that's a must-win game. You cannot afford to lose that, even if you win the Cal game, because there's only so many options for road wins in the Pac-12. You need to get that one. I said in the all-Buffs Pac-12 season preview, which comes out, I think, tomorrow. We're not exactly sure when this comes out. We uh, don't decide these things. Right, but our friends at Al Buffs is, are running a preview, and I predicted that Stanford would finish uh, 11th in the Pac-12. I had him 12th. Right, exactly. So Stanford, I think, I, I don't want to say it's a must win, but Tad Boyle almost went as far to say one of these games will be a must win after practice today because if they do get one of their, their these wins, it really does set the tone for the rest of the conference season as well as the road slate uh, that they need to split every single weekend. Um, and, you know, looking to Stanford, maybe looking ahead because this Cal, uh, the Cal-CU game is really going to be the game of the weekend. Cal has a lot of very talented players. Yeah, that, that's where um, you have a chance to steal maybe your first big win of the season. Um, I think Cal is better than, you know, they're better than Auburn. They're better than BYU. They're better than CSU. This is a chance to get a really big, really big win. Um, they are stacked. As Tad Boyle said when, I, when we were down here the last time doing the podcast, he said, you know, they got three mcdonald's all all americans uh we might have a wendy's all american or a carl's jr all american but these guys are mcdonald's all americans um and you you really have to watch out for players like jalen brown and ivan rab um and then once you're watching out for them well you got to watch out for tyrone wallace as well oh and if that's not enough you also have to watch out for jordan matthews who tad boyle raved about after practice today every single player he names is like Oh, they, and they got this guy who's underrated. Oh, yeah, yeah. they also have this guy who's underrated. Yeah, this guy was really important in scout team today. So it just, it just goes to show you how good Cal can be with their athletes. Maybe they haven't lived up to the expectations this year. I think they've frankly been one of the most disappointing teams in the Pac-12 this fa- thus far. But, you know, we're not even, we're about a third of the way through the season and you haven't even hit conference yet. So Cal can definitely turn it around and they're definitely circling this game, their first conference game, as a starting point to turn it around. And that's what everyone is doing. You know, and Tad Boyle said it today. In the first game of the conference, you're not catching everyone off balance. Uh, You're not catching anyone off balance, you know. They've been talking about Colorado for the last week. Um, They talked about Colorado before they went on Christmas. Colorado has been on their minds for a while now, uh, and they have a chance to kick off their conference schedule the same way the Buffs are are going to try and do. So I think another thing Tad Boyle said today is if both teams play their A game, it's going to be a very, very tough matchup for the Buffs. Um, they're going to have to to kind of take Cal out of what they do. Um, and, and we hope to get uh, Tyler Ziskin on here tonight, but we weren't able to do it. Um, but when, when him and I talked about this, the, uh, this game, he, I thought he said something really, really good. He said, if you make Tyron Wallace shoot, you run Jordan Matthews off the three-point line, and you make Jalen Brown shoot, you win. Can the Buffs do that is what the question becomes. That's a lot of defensive tasks for a team that has struggled mightily defending inferior teams to Cal this season, whether it be University of Nebraska, Omaha, or even Air Force for that matter. So you're asking a lot of your players, but you're going to be asking a lot of your players for the rest of the season. 
and that is going to be a huge point for Tad Boyle, and it has been over the last few days in practice, that this isn't a joke anymore. You know, we don't get any breaks. We don't get to play, you know, the Division Three All-Star. We're, you know, from high school. We get to play, uh, you know, we're playing the 5A guys. We're playing the 5A All-Star teams now. The McDonald's right. All-Americans. Right. After practice today, uh, Tad Boyle pointed out to his players, you know, none of his guys are McDonald's All-Americans. You guys need to have an edge. And that's going to be something that Tad Boyle keeps preaching, you know, that, that his team needs to have an edge and play with a chip on their shoulder. And it's something that they, not, that they haven't necessarily done so far this season. Well, while we're talking about things that Tad Boyle said, he had another great one. And uh, as we kind of showed up, we were alerted that the Buffs were going to be leaving practice, leaving practice pretty much right after they finished up to get on the plane and head out to Northern California. And as they're practicing, you know, they had one or two bad possessions in a row. And Tad Boyle said, they've got other flights out of DIA tonight. We're not going anywhere until you get this right. I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah, Tad always keeps it real. It's not an act for the cameras. It is truly real. And he's real with his players. He's real with what he expects of them. And it makes it so easy on us to know what they expect of themselves. And really, they do expect themselves to not only be a tournament team, but to be in contention for the Pac-12 title. And we will get into this in the next segment a little bit. But I do want to finish up on this weekend because, you know, it's a chance for the Buffs. Maybe, you know, 2-0 is a little bit of a a high expectation for this weekend, but at the very least they can start their conference season one and one uh, going into three straight home games. Yeah. Well, to me, it's the chance comes on Friday and that's when they play Cal. If you can win that game, then all of a sudden two and oh is a great chance. Yeah. Um, so it's not one of those things where you kind of have to focus on the, the back end of the road trip being the tougher game. It works out well for them in the sense that, they can come out and put all their focus into Cal and think to themselves, if we can beat Cal, we'll take a day to prepare for Stanford, and then we have a pretty good chance to go get them as well. Um, but going back to, to what I said they have to do to win, I just don't know if they have the guys to do it. Do they have someone who's going who's gonna to deny Tyron Wallace from getting to the hoop? Do they have someone who's going to deny Jalen Brown to, from getting to the hoop? And then we haven't even talked about Eve, I, Ivan Rab yet. Right. And, and, right. But, and I think that's because – we've learned to trust the guys inside a bit. And I think Josh Scott and Wesley Gordon will, will do a very, I think they'll probably give Wesley that call. But it's a little bit more concerning now that we've entered conference play and you can't just be like, okay, well, you know, if you're George King and all of a sudden your guy gets through and it's, you know, we can trust Josh Scott or Wes Gordon to take care of it. Okay, well now Wes Gordon or Josh Scott's wrap, wrapped up with Ivan Rab rather than some scrub from, you know, a mid-major. So, you're not only trusting Josh Scott and Wes Gordon to take care of others' problems, but they have to all of a sudden take care of a their major own problem problems. on their own. Yeah, and that's going to be the question for the Buffs. So, and it's going to be the question night in, night out in Pac-12 play. Well, can you take this guy off the line? Can you make this guy drive? Can you make this guy drive to the hoop? Can you stop this guy from getting to the hoop uh, without fouling? And that's the biggest thing is you know this team it cannot afford to get in too much foul trouble, especially. Josh God and Wesley Gordon, and that's my thing, is, yeah, if your guy gets by you, Josh God and Wesley Gordon have a good chance of, of blocking a shot. They also have a great chance of getting a foul when these guys who are much more experienced take the ball right into their chest and, and they get an and one or they get to the line. And the Buffs do not have a deep front court this year. You know, it's three it's three guys, and if they go past Tory Miller, Kenny Gazanich might turn into a good player, might not. I mean, but he's it, not even good enough for you to know how to say his name. Point taken, you know, and right now, the fact is he is not good enough to play Pac-12 basketball. And Tory Miller is just at the level of probably being able to compete in the Pac-12. Serviceable. Right. Serviceable in the so if you, he can play a few minutes here and there, but you're really relying on Wes Gordon and Josh Scott. And Tad Boyle is probably going to run out that three-wing lineup at times, too, with either uh, George King or Josh Fortune at the four. You know, Josh Fortune's almost the Swiss Army tool of this team because he runs a little point, too, at times for them. But, you know, they really need to be careful of foul trouble because, yeah, this team's deep at spots like the guard. And, you know, at, at the guard, they, they go deep. Maybe not necessarily any of them are that amazing, but they are a little bit deep there. And they are deep on the wing. But their strength as a team is their front court, except they have no depth there. So they really need to be careful of not letting Josh Scott, who really does avoid foul trouble, and Wes Gordon, who has struggled with it in the past, to get into foul trouble. Because if the Buffs get them into foul trouble, I think they're absolutely screwed in some of these conference games. 
uh, you know, whether it be Utah and Yakapotal or, you know, Arizona and their fleet of big men. Yeah, uh, and that's going to be the big story. And I think both Josh Scott and Wesley Gordon have done a great job of staying out of foul trouble, but it's almost like they've been the ones getting the superstar calls when and when it comes to Pac-12 play, maybe Josh Scott gets the, the star calls. Wesley Gordon's not going to get those calls. Uh, and Wesley Gordon is such a big part of this defense, they can't afford to let him get in trouble. We're going to take another break here on the BSN Buffs podcast. We love to keep our content free on bsnbuffs.com. Uh, so in order to keep it free, we're going to take a little break from our sponsors, a, a little message from our sponsors that we love. Uh, keep sponsoring our sponsors, and uh, we'll see you back on the other side. Why go to the Clock Tower Grill? Because of the burgers? Sure. How about the 15 big screen TVs and the 100-inch projection screen? Okay. How about the fact that it's conveniently located at the Lincoln Light Rail Station? Yep. We could do this all day. The bottom line is that the Clock Tower Grill has unique food and drink specials every single day and offers something for everyone all the time. Head down to the Lincoln Light Rail Station and let's have some fun at the Clock Tower Grill. Rain, sleet, or snow, 24 hours a day, residential or commercial, you name it, A-Team does it. A-Team Garage Doors will meet or beat any estimate and offer same-day repairs. A-Team Garage Doors has a five-star rating and is a home advisor elite service provider. Call A-Team Garage Doors at 720-556-8016. That's A-Team Garage Doors, 720-556-8016. Call 8016 for the A-Team. When is the last time you went to the Rock Restaurant and Bar on Smoky Hill Road? With 69-cent wings on Mondays, trivia on Tuesdays, and $2 domestics during happy hour and weekends, the Rock Restaurant and Bar is the only choice when I'm in South Aurora. They're open 9 a.m. to 2 a.m. every day, making them a great place for a big breakfast, tasty lunch, or a nice dinner. The Rock is off of Smoky Hill Road, just a few blocks west of E-470. Find them online at therockrest.com. That's therockrest.com. $3 beer specials, $4 shot specials, $5 appetizer specials, and two-for-one 10-inch pizzas. All of that happens every Sunday at Ernie's Bar and Pizza. Not only does Ernie's have the best deals, but they were just voted number one New York-style pizza in Denver by the Westward. Why go anywhere else? Make Ernie's Bar and Pizza your home for football on Sundays. Ernie's Bar and Pizza, 44th and Federal in Old North Denver, where the Pisons live. If you're tired of the same old sports bar experience, it's time to check out the Sunset Grill. They have the NFL Sunday Ticket, NHL Center Ice, NBA TV, and yes, even the Pac-12 Network. But they also have a gorgeous view from their spacious deck. They have dry ribs, wings, and muscles to go with their ice-cold beer. They have $4 Bud and Bud Light pitchers on Sundays, and their happy hour is from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day. So next time you're looking for a place to watch the game, do it a little different and go to the Sunset Grill off Holly and County Line in Centennial. Sunset Grill. And we're back on the BSN Buffs podcast, uh, which is live from Blake Street Tavern today. Ryan's eating some uh, some wings here. How are they? Best in Denver, Shap. Uh, the thing, the trick is, if you're if you're a spicy guy like me, the Sun Devil sauce, which is their hottest sauce, is not on the menu. So you got to know to order that uh, if you if you want the heat. And I love the heat, and, and I love me the Blake Street Tavern. Uh, if you listened last time, you know. How much I love the Blake Street Tavern. But, uh, but tonight, tell us again. Tell us again. I will tell you again, and I'll tell you every day for eternity. Uh, the cool thing tonight is there's all sorts of different games going on. We've got a group of Louisville fans over here, and they're watching the Music City Bowl. Music City Bowl. And they're having fun because Louisville's up 2014 on Texas A&M. They're not really having fun. They're yelling at the TV. Well, that's fun for sports fans. Chef. Yeah, that's true. Uh, they've got... Um, Syracuse fans in here watching Syracuse Pitt basketball. They've got USC fans pouring into the tailgate room, getting ready for the Holiday Bowl against Wisconsin. Um, it's one of those cool nights at, at uh, Blake Street Tavern when all of their watch parties are kind of clashing together. And everywhere you look, someone's wearing a jersey. It's a shirt. You know, you've got a Buff shirt over here or a Louisville shirt over here, USC, Syracuse. Um, the Blake Street Tavern is really the best place for anyone to watch their favorite team and um, – once you get settled in, once you find your spot, once you find your fellow fans, you can, lo- you can open up the menu of the best sports food, the best bar food in Denver, as voted by Westward. Um, this place, it, it's, it's a sports fan's heaven. Um, all I need is my Lazy Boy 
and I would be here forever. You gave a sponsorship to Lazy Boy, Ryan. I thought we weren't giving sponsorship <laughs> dollars to uh, to people that don't spend money. But you know what? Blake Street Tavern's been great to us. They gave they give us food here every time we're here. Uh, eventually, you know, we're gonna get the fans out here, and we're gonna do a couple live podcasts with our buddies here from BSNBus.coms or, or, or dot com, not dot coms. We have our, multiple dot coms. Yeah, our loyal readers, and we'll have questions from them. Uh, but really, you know, I think they'd be happy if you came out anytime because it's a great atmosphere in here. Ryan showed me this place uh, about three months ago, and I've been coming back ever since with him about weekly, and I cannot complain. And uh, I complain about a lot of things, as Ryan tried to mention a little bit earlier, <laughs> but I can't complain about this. And they'll take care of you, which is the cool thing. I don't know if you saw this morning, but uh, uh, Goose tweeted at the Blake Street Tavern asked if they were going to be open at 10 a.m. for the bowl game that was on today. And Tyler tweeted back and said, no, we open at 11. And then Chris, the owner, tweeted back at him and said, no, don't listen to Tyler. We'll open up at 10 for you. Um, so they'll take care of you, especially if you're a Buff fan. They love themselves some Buff fans, but they love, them. They love all of their sponsors, all of their affiliates. All right, now we're going to jump right into the Pac-12 season. Yes, we are. We're going to jump right into it. We're jumping it. right in. Uh, the Buffs enter the Pac-12 season, as I mentioned, 11-2. and two. No great wins on their schedule right now in the Pac-12. There are two ranked teams. Uh, it is Utah. No, three ranked teams. UCLA crept into uh, the rankings this week. So it's Utah, UCLA, and Arizona with uh, Oregon just on the edge of being ranked. Colorado has Oregon twice on the schedule. Of course, Utah twice on the schedule. They only play UCLA at UCLA, and they have Arizona coming into CU, uh, the Coors Event Center. Uh, you know, there's a lot of speculation about what Colorado needs to get done and if they can get it done at this point uh, because this is the week to speculate. There's not much going on. The players were on holiday break, and uh, we've had some time off to think about what the Buffs are going to do and kind of look at the larger picture. And uh, I was someone that was very hesitant to jump into this team even deep into the season, I wasn't really on to this team until the BYU game. And, and, and I'm at the point where I think this team is legitimately good. Uh, but, you know, I want to ask the expert here, uh, not that I'm not an expert as well. You're not. Uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, Ryan, where do you think the Buffs kind of stand in the Pac-12? What do you expect from them uh, this season? And, and, you know, in order of the other teams, kind of where do the Buffs fit in and are they at the top? Are they at the bottom half? Are they in the first round by contention of Las Vegas? I think there's so many questions going through fans' heads right now because of this team was better than they expected. Yeah, I think uh, the thing with this Buffs team is consistency. Um, it's going to be consistency, and Tad Boyle told us as much today. The team that wins this conference will be the team that was able to be consistent on a night-in, night-out basis. Um, we don't know if they can be that. We haven't seen them play a stretch of difficult games in a row um, and probably the two toughest games they played in a row were Penn State and SMU, and they weren't able to put it to... Or BYU and CSU. But that, I mean, that had yeah. a, they had a week in between that, so that's, right. that's a little different. Um, they weren't able to put it, back, put it together in back-to-back -to -back nights in those two. They were against Nichols and in, in, in Hampton. Though. They did, but even then, they had a right, slip-up. Right, they, they, they did. They slipped up in the first half against Nichols. So, are they able to be consistent? If they can find a consistent rhythm, of course. They are an absolute contender to win the Pac-12 conference. Um, and I'll be putting out a post uh, in the next few days, probably even today if you're listening to this, talking about how they are uh, as confident as they've ever been entering this Pac-12 slate in terms of their chances to win the conference. Um, and, and I know it's crazy to be talking about that when, when before the season I, people like me thought they, they'd be lucky to be sixth. Um, right. Now, you look at the way this conference is shaping up. You look at the way that, you know, Arizona hasn't looked exactly dominant. Um, Neither is Utah. And Utah. Who a lot of people predicted to do great things this year. Well, and they, they have done some great things. I mean, they beat Duke. But they, they have holes. And I think they ma the Buffs match up pretty decently with them. So, it, it's going to be one of those things where the, the, the Buffs are going to win this conference in games like... If, if they win this conference, it's going to be in games like Cal and Stanford. Right. You take care of this, you get a sweep on this road, then, and it looks like uh, Louisville scored another touchdown over here. Uh, they're, not yelling, they're yelling good things at the TV now, Shap. Um, but they're going to win this, this conference in games like Cal and Stanford where they can you know, buckle down and beat two teams that they're very capable of beating. 
Then you go, you know, you, then you have a chance for a big win against Utah. You get, you can take a game like that. It's, it's all about taking care of these games that, that are winnable games that aren't necessarily huge, you know, marquee games. If you can win those, that's how you get, you get your path to winning this conference. But, 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 I don't know if they're able to do that. I don't know if they're able to win, you know, all those games or a, a large percentage of those games. And you know what's unexpected for me? You know, you go into fall camp for football and you almost expect there to be bull talk. You know, you just expect it at this point. And, you know, it's what the players want. So it's not that crazy when CU says they're going to go to a bowl game because that's their players' goals. It's almost crazier to me that Tad Boyle saying, you know, we can legitimately win the Pac-12. But then when you think about it, you're like, well, the Pac-12's wide open this season. Colorado's playing some really good team basketball offensively right now. They're rebounding solid. Their defense is starting to maybe come together a little bit. Uh, and Tad Boyle's confident that maybe the defense can come together. So the way Colorado has played, maybe they haven't really beaten anyone. You know, And Tad Boyle will admit they really haven't beaten anyone too special. But the way they are playing inspires confidence in this team. And I think that's why so many people are now predicting that CU will win the Pac-12. Even CBS, Sports National uh, Conference Preview, said that CU was the favorites to win the Pac-12. You know, I thought that was a little crazy. They Ryan's said that? Me, yes, they did. <laughs> Ryan's giving me a little bit of a, a stank face. But I know. It was like a con, I, right, confused uh, How did face. I miss that? Yeah. Right. But, you know, I think Colorado will finish uh, somewhere in the – first four of the Pac-12, which will give them a first-round bye in Las Vegas, and I think that is essential for them to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, you get that, you get that bye, then that, that's uh, the best season you've had in the Pac-12. Um, that's, you know, they've yet to get that top four right, finish. Right, they've yet to take care of business on the road, so they haven't been able to they get that top able, four I mean, finish. So people, we, we talk about things, these lofty things, and, you know, what's you know, more, you know what's more important? If they get that top four seed, they're giving me the day off on my birthday in Vegas. And that would be a really nice thing of them. It's all about RK. It, it is. Uh, but you, you look at it, and uh, for the buffs, you know, they, you look at these questions and, you know, can they be the first team in the Pac-12? Can they get the first round by or whatever? But it's such a game-to-game thing because they haven't been able to take care of business on the road. They have a 10-game losing streak against uh, ranked opponents right now. You know, it's really only two during, you know, the this current era. Right, yeah. the, this era. But, you the know, the, jo- the George King era. The George King era. <laughs> but we have to come up with a name for that. The King's Reign or whatever. Oh. Yeah. Okay. But we'll, we'll work on that. But so, so there's so many of these more game to game questions whether Colorado can even beat a team like Utah at this point. And I think these questions are still fair to ask because Colorado hasn't beaten a, a really quality opponent. Can Colorado even combat Gary uh, uh, Gary Payton uh, the second? You know, mm-hmm. can Colorado get past some of these teams? That By have, the way, is that is that an option thing where like you can be junior or the second? Do you well, get to make well, that call? His brother, his half brother is Gary Payton Jr. Oh, okay. Gary Payton has two sons named Gary Payton. Nice, dude. That's kind of baller. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. These questions come up because you know. Even as a team like Stanford or Washington or Washington State that are at the bottom of the Pac-12, they have guys like Andrew Andrews who are legitimate athletes in the Pac-12 and who are going to be tough for the Buffs to stop offensively and defensively. So, you know, there's so many questions, I think, around this team, and it's so hard to, to, to answer it. But what we do know is that this team is playing very confident basketball, and it's a much-improved team from last year. Yeah. Uh, when I look at the Pac-12, I look at it this way. You know, Arizona is is going to find a way in the top four. There's no way Arizona falls out of Sean the Sean Miller four. is way too good of a coach for that to happen. Sure. Um, you, you really? <laughs> I, I just I, I don't, I don't want to get into I know. talking That's about I coaches. Um, Utah is going to find a way in the top four. Because Larry Kristoviak is such a good coach. <laughs> Larry, I actually like Larry K as a coach. Because he um, smokes sweet grass. He's the only Larry K I like. Only, like, three people listening to that to this will understand that. Um, but, you know, then those are the two that are a lock for the top four for me. Um, Oregon, great team. Um, can, they, can they make it, you know, can they put it together on a night-out night basis? UCLA has a knack for underachieving. Um, are they going to be able to put it in? I mean, to me, those four teams are probably the four most talented teams uh, in terms of Arizona, Utah, UCLA, and Oregon. But 
I think the Buffs are, are playing a brand of basketball where they can be more consistent than one of Oregon or UCLA and steal a spot there. But there's going to be such a log jam. I mean, I think three – I mean, it could be anywhere one to seven could be a log jam going into the, like, the last week of the season. This is going to be a wild, wild year in the Pac-12. The only teams who aren't contenders are Washington, Washington State, and Stanford. And I really mean that. Uh, you can see even Oregon State putting together right. something because they right. have an elite player. In because Gary of Payton's Coach side. Wayne Tinkle. He's, right. he's and a his son. What's his son's name? Something Trace. Trace Tinkle. That's a sweet name for a basketball that kid, too. Um, so, I mean, you look. Cal has a chance. Arizona State, uh, they, they've been better under, uh, under Coach Bobby Hurley. Because it's the coaching. <laughs> um, you talk about Wayne Tinkle in Oregon State. You talk about... USC's even been better this year. Yeah, I, I predicted USC's actually going to finish probably. They're probably. I think they're going to be the home team in that first game in Vegas. I don't think they're going to get a bye, but I think they're going to finish somewhere between five and uh, I think five and eight. Uh, I, I really do think Andy Enfield's a solid coach. I mean, we were joking about the coaches, but I do think Andy Enfield's a solid coach. And I think some of the athletes are starting to uh, to show up at USC and they're starting to develop a, a way of playing under their you know their pretty much new coach. So it's going to come down to who out of uh, who out of Oregon, USC, uh, Oregon State, Arizona State, Colorado, UCLA. Who out of those teams is going to be able to go and, and take care of business against Stanford? And be who's consistent. Gonna, who's going to be able to hold serve? You know, against uh, can the Buffs hold serve against Arizona State at home? It's little things like that that are going to shape this Pac-12 season. Um, and it's going to come down to what team can win more of those games. You know, it's not right. you don't have to go. You don't have to beat Arizona. Um, you don't necessarily have to beat Utah uh, on the road. But you absolutely can't let Washington beat you at the Coors Event Center like you did last year. Exactly. You cannot let things like that happen. Uh, and it's going to be so fun to watch this season shake out. Um, I, love when, I love just like opening up my phone and going into my app and seeing the, like the, on a Thursday night and seeing the Pac-12 lineup. And it's just good game after good game after good game after team you know after team you know after team you know. Um, it's going to be really, really fun to watch this season. I'm looking forward to it a lot. How many teams do you think will make uh, the, pack, the, the tournament out of the Pac-12 this year? You know, they asked us this in the, in the uh, All Buffs Pac-12 season preview, and I, I wanted to say six. And then I, I, I came off the gas a little bit, and I went to five. Um, getting six teams in, getting half your league in is a lot. Yep. Um, and, and I think there's going to be – I think there's going to be six teams that are worthy, maybe even seven teams that are worthy of being in the tournament. But just because of RPI and this, this, and this, and the bubble, and you know they got to let in all these, all these teams from the Missouri Valley Conference and whatever. Uh, someone, someone, and maybe even two teams that deserve to are going to get let out, left out. Uh, so I think five are going to get in. Yeah, I actually put five as well. And it, to me, it's not going to be the top five. It doesn't even necessarily have to be the top five teams in the conference. It's going to be the top five teams in the conference in terms of RPI or, you know, where they're, where they're ranking in the important things that, that matter to the selection committee. And those teams that are all in the bubble, and this kind of maybe hurt Colorado in a way, uh, in the Pac-12, those teams on the bubble, whether it be UCLA, USC, Oregon, Arizona State, they all have pretty solid strength of schedule, whereas Colorado does not have a, a, a marquee win. You know, right now their marquee win is probably – against BYU at home. That's honestly probably their best win. Or and, Auburn. Yeah. Right, and even Auburn has struggled a lot this year. So, uh, you know, the Buffs really need to take care of business in conference. And, you know, maybe they don't get the, the automatic seed or they don't get the one seed going into the Pac-12 tournament, um, which almost guarantees them an at-large bid. But... You know, they need to somehow find a way into the top four because it's very hard to say no to a team that finishes top four in the Pac-12 to an at-large bid for the committee. Yeah, absolutely. The only thing is, you know, you finish fourth and you're one of those weird bubble teams and then you lose your chance at another easy win with that bye week. Um, That's the only downside. But, I mean, if you finish fourth in the Pac-12, you should be getting in this year uh, without a doubt. I wanted to ask you this, too, because Josh Scott has played so well, and we've kind of dabbled with, is he an All-American? Is he in that discussion? I'm totally in the camp that thinks Josh Scott uh, should be in the debate for the rest of the season of being an All-American. Obviously, there's 18 games to go, so there's a long way ahead. But uh, 
I think Josh Scott, as well as Jakopodal, have put themselves in really good position to not only be the Pac-12 Players of the Year, but to be All-Americans. Yeah, uh, Josh is going to have to have a 25 and, and 15 in a game like Cal or a game like uh, Arizona or Utah. He's going to have to start bringing that kind of game uh, in the big stage against the seven-footer on the other team who's, you know, built up like he is. And I think it's a little bit harder for Josh because, you know, he is a guy like Tim Duncan, and that's such an easy comparison to make. But in the sense that Josh isn't uh, necessarily the most explosive athlete ever, uh, he's not going to be the guy that throws together a tomahawk, windmill, dunk, or whatever, but he'll wear you down with his post moves, and that's pure pretty basketball. But it might not necessarily be... Uh, highlight tape worthy and unfortunately a lot of all-american voters and voters and these type of things aren't able to see more than just the highlight tape yeah and that's the thing with josh scott but i think he's built such a reputation as that fundamental type player that i think uh he kind of you know people are able to look past it people aren't looking to josh scott for highlights now they're looking for him for that spin move that he has or um you know a, a nice left hook over the right shoulder whatever it is I think Josh got, you know, people aren't expecting highlights out of him. So when you don't have the highlights, you have to have the numbers. Um, you have to impress people with those numbers, and you have to impress people with those numbers in big games. You know, they talk about Heisman moments. Well, you've got to have All-American moments. You've got to be able to, you know, hit that, uh, that shot with 10 seconds left in the game um, with your back to the basket that, that gives the Buffs the lead to win a game on the road or whatever it is. He needs to put together a little bit of a, a resume of making big plays and big times before they're gonna, you know, he's gonna be considered to be an All-American. Ryan, you know what's something we love here at BSNBuffs.com? Uh, a lot of things. What do we love the most? Our listeners we, and our readers. We love all of them. And something that they love is that our content is free. They do love that. In order to keep our content free, we're gonna have to take a little quick time out. We'll <laughs> see you back on the other side. Welcome back into the BSN Buffs podcast, which is presented by the Blake Street Tavern. Uh, we're going to jump into, right into, uh, some fun here on uh, the BSN Buffs podcast. Uh, one of our favorite games, which we debuted a few weeks ago here on the BSN Buffs podcast, or Arcane B-Bats, one of our many podcasts on bsnbuffs.com, a branch of bsndenver.com. Uh, you autocomplete me, uh, which is inspired by uh, Katie Nolan's show, Garbage Time, which does a similar segment, uh, actually the same exact segment, but we uh, make it Buffs-centric, which is... Uh, what this podcast is all about. We're stealing stuff from other people and making it our own. Exactly. Um, so, with the California trip going on this weekend, uh, you know, we're going to make this a little buff-centric here. And uh, the way this game works is you type in something to Google. Uh, you type in a question, like, why are the Buffaloes so blank? And uh, as we found out two weeks ago, the first autocomplete answer was so bad. And the At next football. one was very bad at football. Yep. Um, so the way this game works is that uh, you type in a question into, into Google and it auto-completes for the answer. Uh, so RK and I are going to shoot back some answers or, or some questions back and forth at each other and we're going to try and answer them. Uh, so my first one for Ryan is, why is the Bay Area so blank? So smug. Ooh, no. So stuck up. No. So, Moggy. Yes, that is one of them. The second. Um, so cold. That's third. Okay. That's all I got. The best place to live and so liberal. Why is it so liberal? Is that number one? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, this one only has one answer, which is kind of shocking. But you're going to have to guess. Why does California University... Why does the... Sorry. Why does the University of California... Why does the University of California play in Berkeley? Why are they in Berkeley? Why, Why is it so expensive? No, no. Why is the University of California so hard? Why does the University of California? Why does the University of California be so stupid? I don't know. Something to do with stupidity? Why does the University of California donate to Obama? 
That one's pretty good. Um, this one is right up your alley. What does NorCal? What does NorCal mean? That's number one. What? What does NorCal? I don't know. What does NorCal love? What does NorCal have that SoCal doesn't? <laughs> what does NorCal have that SoCal doesn't? Is it water? I, I don't know. That's the answer. Okay. Are we moving on? Yeah, you're up. Okay, why does Stanford... Why does Stanford Steve <laughs> be on the Spot Man Belt show? Nope. Uh, why does Stanford Come on, you can get this one. have pretty... a mascot that's a tree? There you go. There's one. Why does Stanford have the nickname the Cardinal? No, I'll just read them all off for. Why does Stanford have a tree on their helmets? Why does Stanford have a tree for a mascot? Why does Stanford have a tree logo? Why does Stanford have a tree on helmet? And then the, the last one, why does Stanford have six fingers? I don't know what that, I don't know what that you means You know what I, I do like about Stanford's trees? They added a female tree this year. and She's a good looking tree. I even clicked on the why does Stanford have six fingers and it didn't lead to anything. Another unsolved mystery on the VSN Plus <laughs> podcast. All right, so so this one you kind of led me into. Uh, this is my third and final question. Why is blank so smug? Why is why is the Bay Area? Ooh, San Francisco. Oh shit. <laughs> There's one other question, and you also alluded to it too. Okay. Why is Obama so smug? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was on the right track early. You were. Okay, here's my last one. Why is Palo Alto so awesome? No. Uh, so warm? Nope. So liberal? Nope. So much like Boulder? <laughs> nope. Uh, why is Palo Alto named after a tree? Okay, no. Why is Palo Alto famous? I don't know. Because okay. it's in that movie. It's in that indie movie called Palo Alto. It's in that indie movie about with, Indians. It's in that indie movie with James Franco and uh, Emma Roberts about Palo Alto. No. Uh, why is Palo Alto so expensive? That was an easy one. Uh, why? Why is Palo Alto called Silicon Valley? Uh, I didn't know those. I don't think, that's, I don't think Palo Alto's in Silicon Valley. I, I like to limit my California knowledge. Uh, in terms of stuff like that, so I don't know. I, you're, this is aw- I don't know. Let's get right out of it. Let's let's jump right <laughs> let's out. Let's jump of it. right out of this segment. Um, well, I think that's about that will about wrap up the BSN Buffs podcast. Uh, I think we're going to take some questions next week, so stay tuned to that on Twitter. Uh, follow us at BSN Buffs or Ryan at Ryan Koningsborg. Ryan Koningsborg. Cyborg. <laughs> We need to create a, a Ryan Koningsberg bot called at Ryan Koningsborg. <laughs> <laughs> it just tweets out buff stories. I like it. Sources. Xavier Johnson. Okay, don't go there. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, why don't you tell them what you got coming? Uh, well, I wrote my column about Xavier Johnson today and whether or not he should come back. Uh, tomorrow, I think I'm going to write an article about... Uh, how the Buffs need to work on some of the smaller things that maybe you don't see uh, behind the scenes. Uh, we also have a feature coming up with George King, uh, a little one-on-one interview, a fun one that we did. As we're going to call it the, the Blake Street Buff of the Week, and we're going to do one of these every week where you kind of get to see the Buffs answer these fun questions. And he does answer whether or not a hot dog is a sandwich. Stay tuned for that. A very shocking answer. Uh, he also had a great answer I heard out of the corner of my ear. Uh, Your ears are pointy. Uh, excuse me? No, I'm just trying to be um, self-conscious. Uh, he had a great answer to Chipotle, Illegal Pete's, or, or, or Qdoba. He did. Um, so that's all coming on bsnbuffs.com, a branch of bsndenver.com. Uh, and, and I even, yeah, and I already teased mine about uh, the, their confidence heading into yeah. back to a play. And you can ignore all of Ryan's Broncos coverage, which is on bsnbuffs.com. You cannot ignore that um, if you want me to stay in a job. Uh, 
So uh, thank you for listening, and we'll uh, keep providing you podcasts. We'll be back next week. Uh, you can follow him at Ryan Cronenberg on Twitter. You can follow me at Chapalicious. Uh, and you can follow the, the podcast and our whole site at bsmbuffs.com on Twitter. Uh, we'll see you next time. Shaboom. <laughs> Go to the Blake Street Tavern. I'm just bringing it back like Jordan Packs. Uh, new money, they looking down on me. Uh, blue bloods, they trying to clown on me. Uh, you can turn up your nose outside. Uh, never going to turn down the homie. Uh, knock, knock, I'm at your neighbor house. Uh, straight cash, I bought your neighbor out. Uh, you should come to the house for me. Uh, come and see what your new neighbor